Today's reading is from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides, all this between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Father, I thank you for your gospel. Uh, thank you for the good news. Thank you for the, uh, just the words that we could read. Thank you for the stories that you told. Thank you, for, thank you Lord, for what they revealed um, about us, about humanity, and about... Um, how we interact with each other, and how we interact with you. Thank you, Lord, that they, they speak of, of, of hope and of the kingdom. I pray, Lord, that um, the words of my mouth will be um, helpful in guiding us through this parable. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Um, I will do my best to maintain eye contact with you guys today. I'm not really good at, at, at during, especially during preaching. Um, I, I normally find it quite difficult, um, maybe because I'm a bit nervous or a bit afraid of some of you. Actually, I'm not afraid of any of you. Maybe, maybe a few of you. I might be afraid of a few of you. Um, but I prefer to watch people um, rather than being watched. So, um, uh, you know, while sitting in the cafe, I will, I'll find a place where I could sit back and I could just watch or, um, or either at a window or sit in the corner. Um, bit of a confession at church. I normally sit at the back. All you guys sitting at the front, I don't know how you do it. You've got all these eyes staring at the back. How do you do it? You can't see. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a blessing. <laughs> um, it's, and, and I don't do it from a point of, of, of judgment at all. I don't, I promise you. Um, but I'm sort of interested in how, how and why people interact. You know, catching moments of beauty or humour. 
At one time, I was, uh, I was in the supermarket. I happened to overhear a conversation um, with a couple, they, uh, and they just realized that they left their shopping list at home. And, uh, and the wife, I assume it was the wife, um, was like, oh, quite matter-of-factly said, well, we'll just have to go up every, up every single aisle, up and down, and make sure that we don't miss anything. And I just caught the, I saw the, I saw the husband just sort of, just look up. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, you know, we, we're desperate. We, sort of, we do look up, don't we? When we're desperate, we look up. And I, I, I sort of had some sort of moments. You know, in my desperation, I sort of thought back, you know, I've been desperate before. I know what it's like to, to look up in absolute desperation. Um, not with Martina. Never, never. Um, so so, we, so the, this guy and I, we sort of locked eyes and I shared my empathy. You know, Martina didn't notice. She had her list, making sure that we didn't miss anything. Um, but I hope that that brief look, that brief look, just that brief look in his eyes, that, you know, I helped him just have the courage to carry on, soldier on. I think there's something about making eye contact that connects us. Whilst on the underground last week, a person entered the carriage and started to ask for help, for money. He was, he was quite funny, you know, he was almost addressing us like, like he was, that we were his audience. Um, so, you know, cracking a couple of jokes. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today. Uh, but trying desperately to make a connection with someone, anyone, refusing to be invisible, passionately sharing his circumstance. You know, as a people watcher, I was aware of the amount of people who chose not to look up at him or make eye contact. And, you know, this was irrelevant whether they, um, whether they gave to him or not. Most carried on looking at their phones or their free newspaper or their conversations, annoyed or embarrassed by the interruption. But there is there's something about eye contact that speaks of a recognition of someone's vulnerability and a sign of so, on one side, someone's vulnerability, and on the other side, a sign of, of empathy. What is recognized in those brief moments of mutual connection is a shared humanity. What was missing from that underground interaction was a connection. Even from those who gave. You know, we are disconnected even when we give. Uh, there is a, a great South African word called uh, Ubuntu. I'm not South African but it's just a great note, um, which loosely translates as humanity. But it means much more than that. It means that my humanity is recognized through our shared humanity, our shared bond. So Ubuntu means my humanity is only recognized when we have a shared humanity. Um, Bishop Desmond Tutu um, developed the term Ubuntu theology, uh, which adds that we can have a shared humanity because our, our identity and our dignity is in God. Ubuntu is a, an active term, so it actively seeks uh, this, shared this shared humanity. So a great expression of this has been through forgiveness initiatives um, set up after the apartheid when, where people were encouraged to share the truth of the atrocities that happened during the apartheid and recognise um, and the recognition of human dignity and forgiveness was fostered. But the facing up to each other's reality was essential. Truth was essential for healing. 
Now, um, to this parable. This parable that Jesus tells his disciples in earshot of the teachers of the law and the ultra-religious Pharisees is one in a series about, about wealth and its proper uses. Um, and, and this one was not told to console the poor. So don't worry, next life will be better um, or, or scare the rich. It's told to challenge both rich and poor alike on how to hear and act in the face of inequality. Now, Luke, throughout his retelling of the gospel, was heavily critical of the, of the rich and, and quite warm towards the poor. His gospel is, is even more biased um, to the poor than others, and rightly so. Um, at the Beatitudes, which is Jesus' big preach at the beginning, um, the one where he, he says, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the, um, or, well, I think there's about eight of them, <laughs> um, recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. In Matthew's account, he says, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. While Luke says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke is concerned about the actual poor, not just the poor in spirit. In this parable that Jesus told, we see this fully played out, where Lazarus, who was poor, he couldn't even eat scraps from under the table of the rich man and was covered in sores which the dogs licked. His was the kingdom of heaven. Where he was taken up to Abraham's side by the angels whilst the, the nameless rich man was li um, who lived in luxury every day clothed in expensive purple royal linen had a burial and went down to the depths to Hades or the Hebrew word is Sheol um, the, the place of the dead, the place of darkness, the place of, of permanent separation from God. There are a few things to point out about um, out in this parable. On earth, they are both recognized by their economic status, beggar and rich man. But when the beggar dies, he is called by name. His name is Lazarus. And this is the only parable where a, a made-up character is known by his name. Lazarus, which means God has helped. And then we see the rich man crying out to Abraham to petition Lazarus to relieve his torment only for a moment. And we have Abraham call the once rich man son. It was a recognition of the rich man's birthright. So we have Lazarus and the son of Abraham. Actually, wait. We have Lazarus who was also a son of Abraham, and the rich man, a son of Abraham. But this once rich man's identity as a son of Abraham was not enough to bring him alongside Abraham. We also have Abraham who represents God's promise of heaven, um, of the eternal kingdom, where he shall be their God and they shall be his people. That's the promise. That's the Abrahamic promise. We have the rich man at first begging Abraham to ask Lazarus to relieve his suffering only for a moment, as by doing the smallest of actions, dipping his finger in a pool and placing it on the tongue of which Abraham um, refused, saying he had all these good things in his lifetime while um, Lazarus received bad things and that Lazarus now is being comforted whilst he is in agony. Then begging Abraham to send Lazarus back to the land of the living to warn his large, wealthy family 
so that they don't end up where he has ended up. You see, wealth in the Old Testament was a sign of blessing most of the time. If you were poor or you had diseases, it was assumed that you, know, you were like that because you had sinned or, or your family had sinned even back up to seven generations. So we have Jesus challenging those sentiments. That it was because of inequality, that's why they, people were suffering. And others were prospering. Uh, you know, I hope you can see some of the similarities today in our society. Um, in micro, within our communities, and also in macro, uh, in the world around us. You know, whilst living in North Kensington, it's been great. But I have to say, it's, I've seen the biggest gap between rich and poor that I've seen anywhere in London. Abraham refuses to send Lazarus, saying that his family have Moses and the prophets. So what is this message that the prophets and, Mo, and, and Moses have? Or, or, the, or the message that the rich man wants um, Lazarus, what does he want him to say? What does he want him to say to his brothers, to his family? I would suggest that um, it was something like, recognizing each other as equals. It was embedded in their teaching, in their laws. Um, an example of this would be the Acts of Jubilee, where all debts are wiped clean, all slaves are freed, all land boundaries reset every 50 years. That sounds great for some, not so great for others. Or how hospitable um, they were to the stranger, that doing that identified them as sons of Abraham, that they would receive the promise. Why weren't the teachers of the law and the Pharisees teaching this? You know, love God and love your neighbour. Instead, they were too concerned about loving themselves. Then Abraham said that they wouldn't listen, even if someone rose from the dead, speaking also of the reaction that Jesus would receive at his own death and resurrection. Christ coming from the dead is, is not enough of a sign for people, especially um, those with plenty. For them to recognise their own true poverty. Now, I've got a question for you guys. Um, what does it take for us to recognise our own poverty? Um, only recently I've been taking part in some of the silent marches um, on the 14th of every month. And um, on almost every march on the Labrick Grove, um, just under the bridge, um, firemen line up and people shake their hands, hug and reassure and thank them meeting them at eye level, recognising each other's brokenness, each other's pain and vulnerability, creating the sense that we are all in it together. And it almost always, almost always brings me to tears. That sense of recognising one another's humanity. In that moment, they are no longer strangers, sharing in someone's grief, pain, sorrow, as well as joy and celebrations, creates, it, it creates a bond. It develops empathy and understanding of each other. So this Advent, as we prepare for the coming of Christmas, let's, let's slow down a bit. Let's stop and see who we are not noticing. Earlier on, I used the phrase Ubuntu. My humanity is recognised through our shared humanity. Well, then it's also true that I am, I'm less human when I don't recognise someone else's humanity. Recognising another, another's humanity makes me more human. 
Christmas is the time when Christ came to dwell amongst his people, not with the kings, but with the lowly, with the poor, with the oppressed, under the table, not above it. He came to bring good news to the despised, to the marginalised. And this parable is not here there to guilt trip, but to help us think about who in our society are we ignoring. Let us get to know them by name, as Christ already knows them and us by name. Okay, now back to the underground interaction. So our eyes met. I didn't have anything on me. But he said he was thirsty, so I had, I had a bottle of water, I gave it to him. I, you know, I wished I asked for his name. But, because I know that's where it starts. Um, so it's not like last week where Zablon preached about the rich young ruler challenged by Jesus to give away all his possessions before he could inherit the kingdom of heaven. We start at the fundamentals. Eye contact, a name recognizing another's, another human as equal. That's the starting point. Not giving, but mutually receiving. A bit like how we share the peace at church, with one another, but to the world around us. How we are as Christians, how are we uh, Christians identified? Not by how much they give, but by the way we love one another. Not just the known, but the stranger and the outcast. In doing so, we recognise our own poverty. In doing so, we recognise our joint need for Christ, who dwells amongst us, who calls us by name. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you know us by name. You know me by name. You know every member of this church by name. You know the stranger. You know those who are suffering. You know them by name. You know their circumstances. Thank you, Lord, that you have um, called us to love one another. And sometimes those, it takes a bit of time to, to get to know each other. I pray, Lord, that we'll be taking those brave steps in the same way you take brave steps towards us. And you walk alongside us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, challenge us as we interact with people around us in our communities who we don't normally uh, speak to or say hi to. I pray, Lord, that we would start start to. I pray, Lord, that you'd uh, challenge me as I engage with people around me as well and, and my family. I thank you, Lord, that it starts at home. It starts with our neighbours. It starts with our streets. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.